0: Welcome to The Macca's Run with Sam Hargreaves from
1: Mac- Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
3: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au Juicy Angus beep and the lot. Dine in and try
0: the Aussie Angus at Mac's today.
3: Uh, yes indeed, good evening, welcome to the Macker's Run where we take you through what's on the menu in terms of the biggest sports stories of the day, the biggest conversations that have been happening across the station over the course of the last 24 hours and this is all about you having your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 if you'd like to have your two bobs worth, if something's put a bee in your bonnet, you need to get something off your chest or something's tickling your fancy... Whichever way, shape, or form you want to frame it, one 736 is the number to have your say on the news of the day. You can text us in zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The temper text line, temper a mattress like no other. The Macca's run, get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive through. One 1-300-736-736. So, what is on the menu tonight? A lot of discussion around Tasmania. There's been some very big names on today speaking uh, about the what is becoming the ever more likely an ever-increasing prospect that Tasmania uh, will get, will be granted the 19th licence to enter the AFL. The vote is set to be uh, happening in August of this year. The presidents are going to meet next week from what we understand to discuss where the Tasmania bid is at. And, of course, Peter Gutwin has been on the station today and yesterday announced $750 million stadium in Hobart um, that is the centrepiece of this bid. And, and it seems the biggest hurdle uh, that they needed to overcome in order to get a favourable result at that vote. Uh, it's going to have a roof on it. It'll be uh, just a game-changer for Tassie. We're going to speak to Jim Wilkinson, the chairman of the Tasmanian Football Board, at 6.30. In the meantime, let me get you up to speed Alistair Clarkson, the greatest coach of the modern era, was on with Gary and Tim earlier today, and spoke about uh, how crucial that stadium was to the Tasmania bid.
4: I know that the the AFL has more or less said, you know, if you if you want to have a chance of winning a licence in this competition, you've got to prove that you can, um, you know, house a pretty good event, um, and that's going to require a pretty uh, a pretty good stadium. And there, there's an upgrade going on at Launceston that they've already committed money to, and uh, the announcement yesterday by the, by the Premier, Peter Gutwin that uh, um, if we were to get the bid, um, a new stadium would be built um, on the shores of Hobart.
3: Alistair Clarkson with Gary and Tim. Uh, every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 6am and you can listen to the podcast, sen.com.au. au. Clarko was asked, what are the two challenges, uh, the main, what are the main challenges uh, for this Tasmania bid and for this to be a success?
5: Well, I think there's,
4: there's two significant things in any pitch. You know, I, I don't think there's a person philosophically that doesn't think with the Federation of Australia that Tasmania uh, as part of that federation shouldn't be in the competition. So philosophically, there's not a person, I don't think, in the country that doesn't think Tasmania should be in it. However, uh, there's two things that will stop people from voting for it, and that is how much money is it going to drain out of the game um, and where are you going to get your players from? And I think every president of the competition and the clubs will vote for the team if those two variables can be appeased. And so that's our big challenge. We saw with GWS and and Gold Coast and then the inception of the Brisbane, uh, old Brisbane Bears, uh, different models of how you get your players. But um, I'd like to think that we could um, develop some sort of academy down in, in Tasmania starting as soon as possible and develop our own group of players, if we're fortunate enough to get the zone down there, and and not and not be such a such an impediment on the on the forthcoming drafts. You know, at the, at yeah. the end of the day, most recruiters would say that you know the draft has only just started to get parity in the last couple of years. That's ten years after Gold Coast and GW should come in. If uh, if Tasmania is going to be the same, there won't be a club that will vote for the Tasmanian team to come in because everyone will be fe- fear that their players won't be. Um, they won't get the players in the first round
3: that they they need to give themselves a chance to win a flag. Alistair Clarkson with Gary and Tim earlier this morning. I'll play a little bit more about what Clark had to say on a couple of other topics in just a moment. But sticking with Tasmania, the Premier Peter Gutwin was on SEN today with Dwayne and spoke about how positive he feels about what's ahead.
5: We've been uh, looking at this now for some time. Um, We've just uh, completed the pre-feasibility work in terms of regatta point. That's what I released yesterday. that indicates that um, the stadium uh, could be built there. Obviously, we've got a range of planning matters to work through. But I think in terms of signalling to the AFL um, that Tasmania is serious. This has been a 30-year program for Tasmania. And during that period, we've watched additional sides um, be landed uh, in Queensland. We've watched additional sides be landed in New South Wales and WA and and, uh, uh, South Australia, obviously. You know, GWS, um, Gold Coast, uh, all were licences granted before Tasmania at a time when those licences were being granted that Tasmania was being spoken about and at the time when uh, Tasmanians were putting forward business cases, but we were continually overlooked. Um, I have to say, now I've never felt more positive about the opportunity that sits in front of us, but there's still a fair bit of work to be done. Well, I think there's, it's also, I think, a country unifying moment, if I could start with that. We're a state of a federated um, country. Um, uh, Tasmania provi- has provided uh, some of the uh, best sports people onto the national stage, whether it be football or cricket um, or other sports, uh, uh, right throughout my lifetime. Uh, but we've never been able to have our own team on the national stage uh, with the what I believe is the national game, and that's AFL. Uh, and so... You know, I think it would be unifying for the country, uh, but importantly as well, uh, the state is right behind it. The one message that I've been clear and consistent on is that you know, all roads in the first instance lead back to the AFL Commission. If the AFL Commission has the will, if they make the decision that they are prepared to back Tasmania coming in, uh, then I'm certain that the presidents will be on board and that Tasmania can enter uh, the National League at an appropriate time in the future.
3: Tasmanian Premier Peter Gutwin speaking to Dwayne today, se.com.au to hear the full chat. Jim Wilkinson, the Chairman of Tasmanian Football Board, is going to join me at 6.30 to give us his reaction to the events of the week. And we'll dig a little bit deeper into just where does the participation uh, for Tasmania sit at the moment one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say uh, on the Tassie story. Uh, Patrick Dangerfield, Head of the Players Association, Geelong superstar, was on with Jared Waitley as he will be every couple of weeks uh, throughout the footy season on SEN, uh, spoke about and was asked by Jared if he would like a Tasmanian team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And whether that's because I love Tassie as a state, wonderful place to holiday, enjoy, surf and fish, there's so many things that I love about it, is that Crowd my own view on sort of the business proposition of it, or potentially, but I just think it's such an incredible place. Um, I was lucky enough to experience what Adelaide Oval did um, for South Australian football and how that reinvigorated the city to such an enormous extent. I can only imagine what uh, a world class stadium. In Hobart would do for Tasmania, and I can only think it would be a great thing for the sport and for the state. So often that's the challenge with you know, young players coming through and then wanting to experience the bright light of Melbourne and what AFL footy is. It's where it all happens. It's where most of the pretty much all the broadcasts, whether it's Fox Footy, um, Seven, you know, etc. It, it happens in Melbourne. It's it's. It's the nightlife and footy. That's the challenge. And the challenge for Tasmania, I think, quite clearly, is to develop and and bring on a stronger um, junior development pathway where there's more junior players being drafted every year. And quite clearly, that's Tasmania's biggest challenge at the moment.
3: So Paddy Dangerfield speaking about the biggest challenge of Tasmania, singing from a very similar hymn book to Alistair Clarkson, who was on breakfast with Gary and Tim earlier today that uh, to set up their own elite pathway system um, is paramount and is crucial for this to be a success and start producing as many uh, Tasmanian based players as they can 1300 uh, 736 to have your say on that news of the day 0433 98 11 16 on the temper text temporary mattress like no other uh, I was on air last night during this program and, uh, and spoke to a story that was just breaking last night that was uh, first put up on the Page website um sam mcclure and peter ryan um broke a story with they believe um that uh Geelong uh, deep into discussions on bringing Daisy Pearce into the coaching fold for their men's side uh, under Chris Scott. Uh, of course, she's a current Melbourne player, a trailblazer in the game, one of the greatest uh, to ever play in the AFLW. Her and Erin Phillips are the two biggest names that there have been in AFLW, and of course, her profile with uh, Friday Night Footy, with Channel Seven on SEN uh, as well, and widely regarded as one of the best and an, one of the best analysts in the game. Um, that news was coming through last night and uh, on Sports Day, Steve Hocking, the uh, Geelong CEO, played a very straight bat to that. He mentioned that she's a, a, a currently a Melbourne player, trying to win a premiership with the D, so um, that would all have to wait until the end of the year. But the, the conversations that have come from that since, it's been really positively received, as it should. Uh, and Gary and Tim spoke about the impact that that might have, how much of a game changer uh, that might be, um, having Daisy step into that space and then what that might bring on um, in terms of would, could she be the first woman to be the head coach of a men's side. Uh, Gary and Tim spoke about uh, Daisy Pearce's potential foray into the world of coaching uh, if this was to turn out that she was to head to Geelong as an assistant coach of their men's team. This was uh, Tim Watson earlier this morning. Oh I
1: think Channel 7 would love the fact that she's doing both. Ooh. I think they would love the fact that she's doing both. Yeah, but so you know clubs have been very uh, reluctant job. reluctant to have somebody in their midst
3: then sharing the information or talking about it yeah. in a you know in a commentary type role. That's not quite the grab that I thought it was. Uh, Tim Watson, really positive. uh, Thought that it was a fantastic thing uh, earlier today uh, when speaking uh, about that. Uh, SEN.com.au to hear that that full chat. Gary spoke about the potential conflict, but again, really positive uh, about the potential for for Daisy to join the assistant coaching ranks uh, with the Geelong Footy Club. But also, too, about when you've got as many options, if you do, as she does, how that would play out.
0: So she has a media career waiting for her. She's Well, currently, yes, she's Friday night now being on channel will now be part of Channel Seven's Friday night as the special comments. Mm-hmm. Uh and would expand her role wherever she wanted to go from a media point of view. She's a fantastic performer. So now she's got that choice. If in fact she's given up footy, which she right. hasn't declared that. But let's let's assume that she has, retires, right. if not, great. But if she does, she can now choose to go down one of two paths. Can't she do both? There's the question because I am a firm believer that you can't be a part of a coaching panel panel and go and be part of the media. Mm. So that would be a decision. Well, I don't know if it would be a decision she'd have to make. Would Stephen Hawking be prepared to have her do both or would Channel 7 be prepared to have her do both? If Daisy Pearce decides that coaching is what she wants
1: to do and we don't know that yet... I think she has the potential to do that, yes. Senior AFL coach. Senior AFL coach, yeah. I think she has the potential to do that.
3: There we go. Tim Watson, Gary Lyon, earlier this morning. Paddy Dangerfield uh, was asked about the potential of Daisy coming to the Cats when he spoke to Jared earlier today and had this to say. Yeah,
1: when I saw the report, I was I was pretty excited. All things considered, given their season is still unfolding, and it's, it's probably inappropriate to comment, but I will anyway because she's <laughs> She's the face of 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 the female game. Let's be let's be frank, and you you articulated it perfectly off the top of the show, and that's just been her her journey throughout the industry. She's been such a figurehead throughout it. So uh, whether it's the Geelong Footy Club that she comes to, and I'm bloody hopeful that it is. Uh, I've got no doubt that she'll make a terrific coach when she decides to hang up the boots. Yeah, she'd do it easily, to be honest. She's got she has so much uh, respect within the industry.
3: Uh, Paddy Dangerfield, Joel Selwood uh, has also said that uh, he would love to have uh, Daisy Pearce at the Cats. Um, So there's your two highest-profile players at the Cats, giving that a ringing endorsement. Uh, Joel Selwood said, I think Daisy's an exceptional person from what I've had to do with her over the journey, and she's going to hopefully come into our program and make a big difference. But I know, if I know anything about Daisy right now, she's only concentrating on what the Melbourne Footy Club uh, is doing right now. That was Joel Selwood. She's an exceptional person, and if you get the opportunity, you want to bring those people into your organisation. Jerry Whateley spoke uh, about it in broader terms and what it might do from a social movement point of view. Without seeking to, she became the face of
6: a social movement as well as a sport. As Daisy's profile grew, she found her voice. She enriched the footy conversation whenever she spoke about the game, men's or women's. Her analysis now so valued, she'll this season ascend to the highest profile commentary gig in the game on Channel 7's Friday Night Footy. It was a position one through a best-in-box performance on grand final nights, Her stature and her influence, well, that's captured on the front page of The Age with news that she's contemplating her first foray into coaching and offered to join the staff at Geelong. Should it happen, it'll be the first step in the next journey. And that question, how far might a woman go in the men's game? Like everything else she's done, Daisy will test those boundaries and she will inevitably lift the horizon and further change the landscape for the generations that follow.
3: Jerry Waitley, uh, Paddy Dangerfield earlier on today. So it's created a real buzz about what this might all end up being. But first and foremost, as Joel Selwood said, there's an AFLW season uh, to get through first. Um, But geez, it's very, very exciting. And Peter Searle has has trod this path uh, as an assistant coach with St Kilda before taking St Kilda's AFLW team reign in in their first year. Alicia Eva's doing that um, at the Giants as well. Uh, And off the text, maybe coach an AFLW team first. My question to that text is why? Why does that have to be how it is? So just give me a bit more than that. It seems like a throwaway line. Why would it be, given that Chris Scott's one of the most experienced coaches in the competition, sees a person and says, I think you can make our football program better. Why then would Daisy have to go and coach an AFLW team first? That might be where she would end up. That might be where her coaching aspirations want her to go, to be um, a head coach of an AFLW team. Or it might be to be the head coach of an AFL team. She spoke to Gerard Waitley about that last year when he asked her if she thinks she could. And the answer is a brilliant answer. Um, and, I said, and I'd love you to go and have a listen to it because she explains in detail why she believes that she could do it. And I'd love you to go. Whoever sent that text, I'm not having a crack at you, I'd love you to go listen to it as well. It'll be up on Jared's podcast today. He played the audio. I might even play it if we get time when we've gone through the news of the day. But go and have a listen to the answer. Then go and have a listen to Justin Lepich say that he absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, believes that Daisy Pierce can coach an AFL team. Just have a listen to that, those two answers that Jared played today, uh, and, and I think maybe that might even change your view. one 736 736 98 1116 Off the temper text, temper mattress like no other. It's time now to check out what's happening in the world of Greyhound Racing. Joining me as always, Trent Langscar from GRV. Hello to you, Trent.
7: Hello to you, Sam. Great to have a chat as always. The Western Festival of Racing begins this Friday night. A Country Cup winner is expected to bolster his strike rate at Ballarat this evening. Quality chasers are in action at Sandown Park tomorrow night.
3: Trent, my favourite greyhound will be aiming to win his second Country Cup this Friday night.
7: That's right, Sam. Typhoon Sammy is the $2.70 favourite to claim the $47,000 to the winner Group 2 Horsham Cup final. The Group 2 SCN Track Tarelgan Cup winner won for the 25th time from 38 starts in a hotly contested heat last Friday afternoon. Group 1 National Derby finalist Boston Garden was the fastest of the six heat winners and he is the $4.20 second elect. Zara's Ivan, another Group 1 National Derby finalist, is a $6 chance along with his kennel mate, Americano Miss, a winner in four of her last five races. The promising old news and dual Group 2 runner-up Lots of Chatter, Lining up in his 99th race are both $8 hopes.
3: Before the first feature event of the Western Festival of Racing takes place, a greyhound that actually got the better of Typhoon Sammy a month ago is in action in Ballarat, Trent.
7: Sam, Power of Buddy is the greyhound you are referring to. The Group 2 Bendigo Cup winner and Warrigal 400 meter track record holder is the headline act of Race 6 at 8.40 this evening. Power of Buddy has an impressive record of 10 wins and three seconds from 14 starts, and he did beat Typhoon Sammy at Warragul early last month. Sorry, Sam. Power of Buddy is the overwhelming six favourite, and if conditions are suitable, the Ballarat 450-metre track record could be within reach. Tonight's run is part of the preparation for the heats of the Group 2 Shepparton Cup, which are being held on March 14.
3: Trent, we switch our attention to Premier Racing at Sandown Park tomorrow night, which features established stars, plenty of top-liners as well.
7: You're spot on, Sam. We'll start with race six, which features Paddy Wants Pat. Last Saturday night's Group 1 Australian Cup runner-up is the $2.40 favourite to win for the fourth time in his last five starts. Dual Group 3 winner Baruga Smoke loves racing at Sandown Park and he is the $3.40 second elect. Race three is highlighted by the appearances of Amron Boy and Kelsey Bale. Amron Boy, victorious in both of his starts by a combined 25 lengths, is odds-on at $1.28, while Kelsey Bale, triumphant in three of her five races, is a $3.40 chance.
3: How good is the Greyhound Racing for the next few nights? Absolutely sensational. Power Buddy tonight, current and future stars at Sandown Park, tomorrow night, and the Group 2 Horseshoe Cup final on Friday night. Doesn't get much better than that. Thanks so much for joining us, Trent, and providing us with the latest Greyhound Racing news.
7: Thank you, Sam. Remember, please gamble responsibly.
3: Greyhound Racing continues under strict protocol, securing employment for more than 4,000 Victorians. And you can now watch every Victorian greyhound race live and free by downloading the Watchdog app or follow Watchdog Racing on Twitter or Facebook.
0: The Maccas Run with Sam Grapes, The Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the Lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today.
3: 1-300-736-736, the number to have your say on the news of the day. The Macca's run. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive through recapping the major news stories of the day. Uh, the text through text through before in regards to Daisy Pearce, the potential and the possibility that she may be headed to Geelong as an assistant coach uh, for this 2022 AFL men's season. Uh, The text was maybe coach an AFLW team first. I asked why, and the response I got was a logical step for her. So that would have been, correct me if I'm wrong, that would have me thinking that you believe that that's where Daisy should go just because she's a woman. So I would ask, I would... Maybe respond to that by saying, remember there was a time when people used to say, why is that bloke being announced as a coach when he wasn't even a premiership player? He wasn't even a superstar player. There was a time when only the superstar players or the premiership winning players got head coaching roles. Look how many coaches came out of the Hawthorne era of the 80s. Go and count them. There's tons of them. Uh, And then... Alistair Clarkson sort of came along, and maybe there's a couple before, but Alistair Clarkson really did change the mould that you didn't have to have been a world beater, an out-and-out superstar of a player to be a very good coach. And that wasn't that long ago. So then the next evolution in that was, well, you needed to have at least played at the highest level before you could coach. Well, Chris Fagan would probably beg to differ on that front. Um, At the helm of the Brisbane Lions, never played VFL or AFL. So we're, we're, we're slowly proving those old adages wrong. And this could be the very next one that we prove wrong, that you have to be a man to coach uh, an AFL team. So just for those who think, no, that just can't possibly happen, remember we used to say that about anyone who hadn't won a premiership and then we said it about anyone who hadn't played at the highest level, that you had to have to be able to be a good coach. Well, Chris Fagan's proving that that's incorrect as well. So that just worth considering when you when you think about where you sit on this Question or on this conversation one 736 to have you say zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text temper uh, a mattress like no other Timmy in Hobart I reckon you know the answer to that mate I reckon you know the answer to that uh, holding the ball has been discussed a lot today the uh, email that came out uh, from the AFL um, a couple of weeks ago uh, that talked about what would uh, essentially be a a stricter interpretation uh of the holding the ball rule so essentially um in 2022, umpires will be less lenient towards players who have had prior opportunity and do not immediately and correctly dispose of the football when they are legally tackled under existing law 18.62. Uh, in 2022, a free kick will be awarded against a player who ducks the head prior to being legally tackled and does not immediately and correctly dispose of the football. Umpire Q for prior opportunity includes evading, fending, ducking, has, prior, has a prior option, i.e. goes to handball, kick and decides not to, is balanced and steady, is awarded a mark or free kick or drives or drives their head. Uh, so apparently uh, the Fox commentary team uh, got an explanation of this from Brad Scott yesterday. Um, and this was a conversation that uh, Gary and Tim had in regards to the stricter interpretations.
1: I've watched three games already. Yep. And
0: I haven't been able to detect any great change. Oh, no, well, there you go. They're just, yeah, so they're umpiring. Probably. But you
1: were saying the prior opportunity will be the one probably that people get a little bit what antsy I about. i have down here?
0: Yeah. Um, the interpreter, prior opportunity, you to get rid of the bull immediately when unless you are legally tackled.
1: Unless you, you are.
0: You, no, there's no... You said unless you're dusted mum. You'll be given. You said there'll be some dusty time. <laughs> right your, he, so not new interpretation... A stricter interpretation. It will be holding the ball, which is the perennial. The interpretation that we were told yesterday from Brad Scott. This is for all our you know, fans of footy. Prior opportunity is if you are immediately, if you don't immediately dispose of the ball in a legal form when you are legally tackled. So it's almost like you've had prior opportunity. So then they show you all the different examples, yeah. the videos. I reckon they would put them up on afl. dot com. dot at some point. They would. or they're probably already. They're probably already there. So you're trying to balk around a couple, you know, and then you get tackled and then you sh- take a bit longer to try and get rid of it and then eventually you don't and you get dragged. Yeah, the ball might be tucked in. Straight away free kick. You've had the opportunity. You didn't try and get rid of it immediately. The challenge will be is they also want the players to have the right to try and break the tackle. So if you blow the whistle too early mm-hmm. and Dusty's fend-offs only in half – well, I'm using Dusty as an right. example, but there was other examples showing – that's the challenge for the umpires. How much time right. do we give them to try and break the tackle and what's the definition of immediately and all that? Oh, right.
3: It's a very good idea, isn't it? you think that there'd be video examples up at afl.com.au. There may be, but I can't find them. I've been looking for them. And I think this is fantastic that the AFL went to Fox, spoke to all the commentators, made an explanation. You get about to hear from Gerard, though, that they all couldn't find a consensus. And I'll play what Dwayne had to say about that as well. So there was even a bit of... Not confusion, because I don't want to paraphrase and put words in people's mouths, but there was different views on it from the experts of the game. But what is striking me about this is that's all very well and good for whether it be Fox or us here at SEN to get these explanations. Where's your explanation? So the media release comes to us. That's a great idea from Gary and Tim that there should be videos and a video of Brad Scott explaining exactly the same way that he did to Fox to you. Because you will go to the game and you will see whistleblown and you will think, well, that's not what I thought that the rule was. And it is a complex rule. There's about six dot points of it when you look at the rules of the game. So my suggestion would be that this is great that this is happening, that explanations are being given, but let's give one to you, the person that is paying the money to go to the game uh, and to sit in the stands, because especially when the AFL have, have said, we, don't, we are sick of the abuse that umpires cop from players and we want better from fans as well make sure that people aren't confused about certain rules because that will only add to the pile-on of umpires, the very people that you're trying very valiantly and correctly to protect. So that would be a suggestion from me. Just just a little one. Uh, Jared spoke about the inability to find a consensus amongst the people that were there yesterday.
6: You can have holding the ball, which we sat through a presentation yesterday from the AFL. I wonder how clear the players are on what, How that's going to be adjudicated because we in our Fox Collective we couldn't find consensus, could we?
3: We could not. Uh, And this was Dwayne.
4: There are things that you can look at now once you have that clarification. So you look for this if you have had prior opportunity, you lose it if you step evade, if you fend off, or if you duck. So you lose your prior opportunity when you do any of those things, but the tackle still needs to stick. And it needs to be legal. So those are the two issues as well that you need to keep in your mind. The tackle needs to stick and the tackle needs to be legal.
3: Uh, and Paddy Dangerfield was asked uh, about does he understand the new interpretation or the stricter interpretation for the holding the ball with Jared today?
1: I think from probably from, from previous experiences at the start of the season when there's new interpretation, typically it's pretty hot early. And then as the season unfolds in a few weeks, sort of pass by, there's a happy medium that sort of everyone arrives at because as much as there's, there's skill um, mishaps and mistakes that happen early in the season because of rust and returning to the game, I think the same thing happens with, with umpires. You know, it's an adjustment for everyone to get back into into the game.
3: Paddy Dangerfield with Jerry Whateley earlier today. There still heaps to get through. Clarko on uh, whether he, uh, when and how he's likely to coach again. Uh, Nathan Lyon has spoken today. Steve Hocking's been on the station today as well. There's a story brewing about the physio. And was the sacking of all the bowlers' favourite physio a payback sacking for what happened to the players with the players and Justin Langer, which is an extraordinary Um, turn of events and and even just the inference of it is remarkable Um, it just adds to what hasn't been a great summer at the upper levels, even just the the suggestion of this, it may or may not be true but goodness me it's rolling from one into another at the moment Cricket Australia, but next we're going to speak to Jim Wilkinson Chairman of the Tassie Football Board about the events of this week from a Tassie point of view
0: The Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. The Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the Lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus of Maccas today.
3: So Tassie's been a massive talking point all week, as it should. Uh, Sam Edmund breaking the story on Monday that uh, the clubs were, a majority of the clubs are looking upon this favourably. The presidents meet next week to set the date for the vote, which we believe will be in August. Tassie top of the agenda for the meeting next week with the presidents. Uh, And then Peter Gutwin uh, doubling down, putting chips all in, saying that uh, there will be a brand new stadium built, as long as there is a team coming their way over 750 million to be spent a retractable roof Uh, it looks phenomenal it it is all lining up and there's a real positivity now uh, about tassie being the 19th team in the afl uh, from about 2027 2028 when the stadium's expected to be finished so just to get an idea of how this week has resonated with the people in tasmania jim wilkinson the chairman of the tasmanian football board has been good enough to jump on the line with us jim hello to you G'day, Sam. G'day, listeners. Uh, it's been a big day on the station. Uh, the, the Premier uh, who's been on, who I've got to say, I'm a massive fan of. He is the greatest friend of sport uh, that I can remember uh, a Premier being. Um, you you guys down there must absolutely love him.
2: Look, he's been doing a terrific job, and uh, he's the one really that uh, put it all together and put the blocks in place in the, uh, in the first place. Uh, the task force has been terrific, uh, and everybody's working for the one goal, and that is for a Tasmanian team. In the AFL. And this, we say it should be. It's the second oldest football state uh, in Australia uh, following, uh, following Victoria. There's always an argument whether it's South Australia and Tasmania. We think we've just got there as opposed to uh, South Australia. So the history of football is very much entrenched in Tasmania. And this is just going to give it some huge impetus.
3: Jim, how have you felt about the events of the week? Uh, first and foremost, hearing, as I said, Sam Edmonds say that there's a real positivity from AFL and also from Clubland about uh, the prospect of a 19th team. And now the announcement of the stadium, which seemed to be the, the biggest hurdle that needed to be overcome and almost seems like the clincher. How have you taken in this week?
2: Well, look, it is exciting. And I know the uh, the sporting uh, population of Tasmania is excited about it as well. And it's not only uh, a sporting complex. Of course, it's going to be a, a multi-purpose stadium. Mm. It'll uh, uh, play a number of different sports if needed. Also, uh, concerts, which we haven't been able to get before due to, uh, I suppose, the uncertainty of the weather. So uh, now with a stadium which is going to have a roof to it, which can fit uh, 27,000 people, uh, maybe thirty thousand. If you've got a uh, a band down or a good concert down, uh, it's just going to do terrific things for uh, Tasmania. It really
3: is. Does it feel it's real, a, Jim? Does it feel real to you?
2: Uh, look, it's the furthest we've got for a long, long yeah. time. As you probably know, uh, we were uh, indicated to that uh, around about two thousand and seven. We'd be in the uh, national competition. Uh, there's been carrots thrown out uh, now for a number of years. But uh, nothing's really happened. It's been kicked down the road a bit and I think everybody would agree with that if they're fair. But uh, Tasmania has shown that uh, I believe it's going to be a benefit to the competition. If we can show that it is going to be a benefit, it's certainly going to be a huge boost for sport down in Tasmania. Then uh, it's, it's going to be a bit like the Jack Jumpers on steroids because the following for that since the Jack Jumpers joined the national competition uh, this year has been significant. It's been huge. Packed out, uh, packed out venues uh, pretty well every time they play down here. And I would say that's going to happen, too, both in Hobart and in
3: Launceston. I'm going to ask you about that in just a moment as well. But you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening at Grassroots and at Clubland. Have you already got people responding to the, to the, to the announcement of this week? What's, how's it been received, you know, at the Grassroots Club? This is heartland. Yeah. How's it been uh, felt?
2: Well, every one of them would be more than happy with what's happened, Sam. They really would. I know for a number of years, as I say, the uh, carrot's been dangled in front of Tasmania and people have got excited. So what they'd be saying is uh, words are easy, action's a bit different, and they'd be wanting uh, further things to happen uh, in order for them to be 100% sure that Tasmania would get a Guernsey uh, whenever that might be, 2025, 27, whatever it might be. But uh, all we're after is for the AFL to say yay or nay. Mm. If they do say yes, no doubt they're going to say that's going to be uh, uh, at a certain time. There's talk about 2027, 2028. But if that's the case, we can work to that, and that's fine. But And if that happens, already there's been uh, an arrest of the down term in numbers playing up to 2017. That's started to increase. Tati were uh, one of only two states uh, last year to... Have participation rise uh, in uh, in the, in the uh, national game, and so and that's we're heading that way already as, uh, with registration. So it can be seen that as a result of the talk out there, the interest is starting to continue. Numbers are starting to increase with participation. And as I say, that'll be on steroids if they say, yes,
3: you're going to be in a national competition by whatever date they suggest. Speaking to Jim Wilkinson, chairman of Tasmanian Football Board. So, Jim, paint that picture for me in a bit more detail. I remember back in 08 where Tassie came strong, said, we've got Mars on board, we've got the whole state on board, we've got money, we're we're ready to roll. And Andrew Dimitri said, no, we're going to Greater Western Sydney and we're going to Gold Coast. And I'm sorry, but uh, we're not coming to Tassie. Paint us the picture in participation in the state from from about that moment uh, to now.
2: Well, there was a... uh, I haven't got the figures before me at the moment, Sam, but it was around about a 14% fall away uh, in those years, which is significant for the amount of people we had playing. Yeah. And, you know, lifestyle's changed, as you know, and people on a Saturday and a weekend have got different things to do, but uh, it had to be arrested. And as a result of what's happened in recent years the downturn has been arrested, participation is on the increase, and it's got to continue to be on the increase. And the only way I think that that can happen and happen in a hurry is, uh, by the AFL saying, yeah, look, you'll be in the competition at a certain time.
3: If you can see it, you can be it. Uh, I think that's absolutely crucial for, for junior kids growing up in Tasmania, uh, boys and girls, um, if they can see it right at their doorstep, you, you always think you're a better chance to be it. You mentioned the Tassie Jack jumper. So just give us an idea of how, in, how the interest and participation in basketball has boomed since they came into the NBL.
2: Well, it's 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 gone ahead in leaps and bounds. It really has the interest in it. You can see kids in the park now with basketballs and uh, shooting hoops in the park. I've got eleven grandkids. A number of them uh, boys, uh, growing up from between one and uh, one and uh, fourteen. The boys and. I have a granddaughter at 16, but number one, they're playing footy. But number two, now there's a basketball in the house as well, and they're going out shooting hoops as well. So just by having the interest with the national team in the competition from Tassie uh, down here, you can see the spike in interest uh, with basketball. And I think uh, Aussie rules have got to say to, uh, say to themselves, well with a, uh, a foundation state playing football, do we want to lose these players to another sport? All sports are terrific for kids, don't get me wrong. But uh, I'd like to see Australian rules getting uh, uh, the interest that basketball has had, the impetus that basketball has had because if they say we're in, without a doubt, it's going to be like the jack jumpers, but on steroids. It mm. really is. There's no question about that.
3: Um, Jim, without being alarmist, speaking to Jim Wilkinson, chairman of the Tasmanian Footy Board, what happens if you get fobbed off again to footy in Tasmania, do you think?
2: Well, there's uh, there's other sports knocking at the door, as you know. There's mm. uh, the A-League knocking at the door, and there's a lot of comments about when that's going to start. Hockey's already uh, a national comp with the uh, competitions uh, that are around with hockey. Uh, we've got cricket, uh, and you saw what happened with Tasmanian cricket once it got into the Sheffield Shield full-time, and you saw the players that it produced as a result of that. Uh, and you've also uh, got basketball now as well. Mm. So if that's the case, kids are going to say, look, I can see a pathway mm. uh, into a national competition in any of those other sports. So if, they, if football doesn't happen and if there's another uh, slap in the face to Tasmania as far as is concerned, uh, then a lot of players are going to turn them a lot of sportsmen, good sportsmen, are going to turn to other sports because they can see a pathway of getting to a national team if there was a slap in the face uh, that that would be hard to be hard to swallow it really would yeah. A lot of the people that are deciding which sport to play at a younger age uh, are going to their decisions are going to be made i believe in a in a big way as a result of the statement that's going to come in june july
3: Does the team need to play in both Hobart and Launceston to to work? Does there need to be games in Launceston to make sure that this is a unified uh, or uniformly supported Tasmanian team?
2: Yeah, I believe it does strongly. And we've always said that, that it's got to be a Tasmanian team properly. That is, it's got to be played at both ends of the state. Uh, As you know, there's some investment already uh, going to uh, up at Utah Stadium in Launceston. There's some going for the very good facility they've got on the north-west coast at Dial Rangers in Penguin. Uh, and uh, Hobart was the only ones that uh, at this stage were missing out up until the comment was made uh, by the Premier a couple of days ago. So uh, it's got to be statewide. We've had 62,000, 64,000 pledges of memberships. And you, when you look at memberships uh, uh, of football clubs throughout Australia, we'd be about halfway, even before we've kicked a footy uh, in anger in the national comp so uh, hopefully we get the majority of those people plus we get a lot more a lot of people that have barracked for other teams or played for other teams uh in their past if they haven't got tassie as number one they'd certainly have it at number two but just because they want a team in the uh, national comp they'd certainly be going along day in day out in order to support that team
3: jim been great to chat to you thanks so much for your time uh, next time we chat, I'll get your view on which end, uh, what whose name should be above each end of that stadium. And we'll we'll talk a bit more about what might be and, and, and the fun of it. Hopefully uh, we can do that later in the year after August when the, the vote will go your way, mate. But thanks so much for chatting to us. It's been a big week and an exciting week. Thanks for your time.
2: Thanks, Sam, and thanks for your support.
3: Jim Wilkinson, chairman of the Tasmanian Footy Board. Uh, I do like in this proposal that Peter Gutman's made it very clear that this stadium will have the capacity and the ability to play rectangle field sports. So whether it be rugby league or whether it be a league, it's very much saying to the AFL, Hey, uh, I'm keen to be in a relationship with you, but until you commit to me, I'm not deleting Tinder. That is exactly what that is. We are keeping our options open. We're not deleting the apps until you commit to us. We're swiping. one 736 736 16 to have your say on that. Got a little bit of time to play some Nathan Lyon grabs. Uh, he's done a press conference today from Pakistan. The first test starts March 4th. You won't miss a moment of it on SEN and the SEN app. This is the Maccas Run. The Maccas
0: Run with Sam Park grapes the Maccas, Juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today.
8: It's pretty, a pretty proud moment, to be honest with you. When you when you look around um, world cricket and Pakistan haven't had, had the opportunity to have a, a lot of international cricket here over a number of years. So to be able to be the first Australian team um, to come come to here to Pakistan to play. Um, it's we've spoken as a group how, how, how big it is in, in world cricket um, and, and for the people here of Pakistan as well, um, for them to get the opportunity opportunity to, to see some of, the, some of their idols like Steve Smith, David Warner, Pat, Marnus, Uzi, these guys who are, who are able to come out here and play and, and be a massive role model. I think um, that gets taken away. Um, I'll probably put to the side a little bit the, the effect that uh, we're very privileged uh, to have as cricketers to, to be a role model.
3: Aussie spinner Nathan Lyon uh, from Pakistan ahead of the first test starts March 4th. SEN, uh, you'll be able to get that on the SEN app and on SEN. Uh, he also may have just revealed um, a little bit about how Australia will go in in terms of their bowling lineup. A lot of talk around two spinners. Well, Nathan Lyon spoke about the practice wicket and what it was and maybe wasn't doing.
8: Uh, it's, it's interesting to be honest um, our training facilities were actually training about um, three pitches over um, on the center wicket and it actually wasn't spinning that much um, we I know we've got a little bit more grass on, on the wicket uh, that we're training on uh, compared to what looks like the match wicket um, but um, to be honest with you I think we're very um, uh, comfortable with where we sit with our, within the Australian uh, Australian squad here we've got enough enough people to to, uh, to cover all bases. So uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation that uh, Andrew McDonald, George Bailey and Pat Cummins have, have all together in, in their lead-up. But um, whatever team we go out with, we're, we're confident enough we can uh, play some really really positive brand of cricket here in Pakistan.
3: Uh, that's it from me for a week and a half. Uh, got a little bit of leave up my sleeve, so going to take that. The teams for the Community Series are up. Uh, So have a look at those. You'll hear all those games on SEN as well. Until then, Melbourne City up next against Perth.